Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of the Fearless Paranoia Podcast. That space and time where we break down and demystify some of the really complex topics that make up the cybersecurity space. My name is Ryan Maltzen. I'm going to be your host for today. I'm a cybersecurity architect and engineer, and I work on defending systems for different businesses from those who would try to take advantage of them. Usually I'm joined with our cybersecurity attorney, my good friend Brian. However, he won't be with us tonight, so you'll be stuck just listening to me. So I'm going to talk about one of my more favorite topics, really, and that is a topic that we're all quite familiar with and then some pieces that we're we're not maybe so familiar with unless you're more heavily into the industry and that's going to be passwords and the eventual move away from passwords towards passwordless and what are some of the steps we can take on that journey between where we are now and where we ultimately want to go. So we're going to jump right into this tonight. So passwords are something we're all very familiar with, right? We've all been using passwords ever since even before the modern age of computing. You know, things like your luggage. Some of the older cars had the little 1 through 10 keypads on the driver's door that you could use to get inside. Uh, Some of us have got our garage doors where you've got a code to be able to open up the garage door. So things like passwords are commonplace, right? They're used as a layer to authenticate and a layer to prevent ease of access to some of these systems or at least secure access to some of these assets that we would otherwise not want somebody to just be able to to walk into. So passwords are for the most part inherently simple and kind of always have been right one of the major reasons that we can use easy passwords on things like our garage door or on our luggage is because usually we keep these things pretty close to home somebody has to either walk up onto our property maybe you have cameras and you know otherwise neighbors that are kind of keeping an eye out on it usually your luggage isn't outside of your personal possession for long periods of time so There's a little less risk involved with having those protected with a slightly less complex system. But with your assets on the internet, these types of systems are openly available to people all around the world. They're not protected by that proximity to you. They're openly available for people to test these types of passwords and these other means of authentication on in a place where they can do it in some cases uh, anonymously and from areas outside of jurisdiction where you might have the ability to take some sort of action against them. So it allows them to make attempts against these with relative impunity and it has made it much more of a challenge for us to keep those assets safe. So we have had to really step up the game a lot in the last quite a few years around the password space, but we still have a lot of inherent insecurities and inherent problems with our current password systems that we need to start kind of getting some more mainstream cooperation and compliance from the average users of the internet around and from the businesses that operate these type of systems that are openly available. We need to kind of step up as a society and really start adding some complexity and some modernization into these systems. So that's really what we're going to kind of talk about tonight. Let's start with just kind of addressing some of the major shortcomings of passwords in general, right? So one of the biggest problems that we run into with passwords is 
simple and reused passwords. Simple passwords nowadays are really pretty trivial to breach through things like brute force attacks and simple methods like that where you can put heavy computational power against breaking through these passwords. Now a lot of online systems have methods and systems in place to prevent constant brute force attack attempts against a certain system, but for something that's like offline, let's say you have a file that's secured by a password and somebody gets a copy of it, well there's nobody watching that file, so they can just apply a password cracking utility against it and just start trying every combination of passwords, whether it's using like a dictionary of known words or a list of breached common passwords, or if they want to do a true brute force and they just try every letter, number, symbol, they start cracking these passwords using all these different combinations that are available of all the different inputs and passwords. And eventually with enough time and enough resources, you're going to come across the actual password. It's just an inevitability. And so if these systems aren't really enough to prevent those types of simple passwords from being broken, that's a major problem. And then of course, reused passwords. Now, a lot of people, we as humans in general, we tend to look for the simplest approach to dealing with some of our common problems, or at least the simplest approach that works effectively. Why would you want to overcomplicate something that doesn't provide a lot of value? And I mean, that makes sense generally, but what that has led to is over the years, people have gotten in the habit of even if they use a really complex password because they've been instructed to do so, they will develop one really complex password and then just reuse that across all their services, thinking, well, now nobody can brute force me, right? Not easily, at least. But what we've seen in you know recent years is the rise of just breaches, whether it's through a zero day or whether it's through a compromised account or whether it's through something. It, these lists of username and password combinations are hitting the internet quite regularly nowadays. You know, somebody breaches a major system like a LinkedIn or a Facebook or something like that. And if they're able to pull a list of usernames and passwords somehow, if the security behind the retention of those assets is weak and they're able to pull that, they can post that online. And then, well, not only would you have access to everybody's social media account or whatever was breached there, but if you were using that password across a bunch of your accounts, well, there's nothing to stop anyone now from taking that username password combo, associating it to you, finding out where else you have accounts available and starting to log in there as well. So now that becomes a really widespread problem, especially if you reuse the same password across all of your accounts. Well, now you've given everybody the master key right into your digital life. And that's a large problem. So we've seen a real rise in things like these password lists popping up and things like credential stuffing attacks, which is where threat actors and criminals will go take these lists of exposed passwords and compromised and cracked passwords and the user accounts that they're associated with and they put together large repositories of this information with these associations these relationships and they sell them to people who then go and take those and use those to try to find accounts that use that same password or that same email and then they start trying all the list of known passwords once they've identified enumerated an account that's available and if you reuse a lot of passwords like a lot of people do it turns into some sort of continued breach we talked about 23andme a couple of times now well the latest 23andme breach the one that they're trying to kind of divest themselves away from any responsibility and had exactly that problem. Those 14 some thousand accounts that were breached were done so through a credential stuffing attack. Those were passwords that had been reused on other sites and that's why 23andMe says, well, we're not liable because we told people not to use the same password on this site. That's right in our terms of service, you know, that same terms of service that not too many people read. And, well, 
if they didn't follow our guidance, then it's on them. There's more to it in the 23andMe, so go back and listen to those episodes. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of those accounts weren't actually breached because of any direct fault of 23andMe. It was from users reusing passwords and passwords that have already been compromised and are already available on the dark web. So we need to get better, right? Even if the passwords aren't being breached through major sites, phishing is becoming a larger thing nowadays. The threat actors are just are coming at you with deceptive techniques and are going after people using all sorts of different methods of persuasion to try and get you to give them their password. And most people think, well, I'm not going to fall for something like this, except that a lot of these phishing techniques have gotten to be really, really intense and difficult to challenge nowadays, difficult to identify. No longer are we in the day of the Nigerian prince type emails that are necessarily poorly written and have all sorts of tells. We have AI getting into the mix now that's writing very professional looking emails that are putting together beautiful templates that look very close to the actual services that they are trying to mimic. And it becomes more and more challenging by the day to tell apart the fakes from the reels. And that right there in and of itself gives people confidence when they go and they interact with these and they just willingly hand over their credentials because they think they're interacting with the actual site. And that's not necessarily the case. And there's really not a lot of ways to stop this from occurring. The criminals continue to make strides forward in leaps and bounds to apply further deceptive techniques and they're really successful in doing so. You're listening to the Fearless Paranoia Podcast. For more information on keeping yourself, your family, and your company protected against cyber threats, check out the Resilience Cybersecurity and Data Privacy blog. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and subscribe using any of your favorite podcast platforms. Also, please share this podcast with anyone you think would find it helpful or useful. We rely on listeners like you to help get the word out about this show, and we appreciate the support. Now, time for some more cybersecurity. So again, we need to start upping the game here. So what can we do to start getting around some of these challenges and getting a step at least back in step with the bad guys, maybe even a step ahead of them? We can start with, first of all, making your passwords more complex. That's been common guidance for many years now. You know, upper and lower case, adding some numbers, adding some symbols, adding length to the password is a really big one, or even just switching to like passphrases where instead of worrying about direct complexity, you expand out the length of your password because from the sake of brute forcing or cracking, length is almost more challenging when you get to a certain level of length than it is to attack or crack a shorter but more complex password. Length in most cases tends to be one of the largest challenges to extending out the time to crack a proper password. So complexity is a good thing, but uniqueness is critical nowadays. You need to use unique passwords for all your different assets. And if you're one of those people that just that can't be hassled to come up with that many different passwords, then you at least bare minimum need to identify what are the counts you really, really care about? What are the ones that can do the most harm to you, stuff like your primary email that you sign up all your other accounts with because that's really the gold mine. If you can get someone's email that is set up and registered to all the other accounts, you can use that to reset most of those accounts. Your financial accounts are also a really big one, but anything that's a major repository of your information that can hurt you, you need to make sure those at least are the unique ones and really work hard to protect those. And we'll talk a little bit later about some other ways too, and we'll get into those again, but like password managers is a great way to be able to effectively store numerous different passwords in a way that makes it easier for you to recall them, easier to use them, easier to generate long, complex passwords 
passwords and not require you to have memorized every single one of them in order to be able to access things. Multi-factor. We've talked about multi-factor 2FA numerous different times in different episodes, but this really comes down to not just having a username password, which is simply something you know, but applying one of the other means, another factor of authentication. And the, the three common ones are something you know, something you have, and something that you are. And being able to put two or more of those together really adds another set of challenge and complexity to someone who would want to try and access your account because it means that they have to obtain more things or have availability of more things to get there. So again, things you know would be like a username, password, a passphrase, a pin, something along those lines. Something you have would be something like a certificate on your machine or a specific compliant machine or a hardware token that produces a touch sense you touch physically or that produces like a rotating password key like the old RSA tokens, something like that. And then something that you are is when we get into things that are more like biometrics. It could be like a retina scan. It could be a face ID. It could be a fingerprint, something along those lines, something that identifies you as a person. And so applying multi-factor techniques to an account, even if it's just two factors, goes a long way to making it much more challenging to actually break through the standard user level authentication layer on an account. Really critical to do MFA. One of the important ones I guess I forgot to mention there too is app-based authentication, which again is something that you have. So using something like an authenticator, Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator, etc. Those are very, very common and very easy. Most people keep their cell phones on them nowadays, and it's really pretty trivial to set one of those up, but it can go a long way to helping secure your accounts. Making sure you rotate your passwords helps out a lot. Now, most of us have many, many accounts, many, many different passwords. And so it becomes a challenge to really go through and go through that process of rotation. But again, do it at least with the accounts that are really critical and really important to you. You can also go and check sites like Have I Been Pwned, something that Troy Hunt put together, who's a security researcher, where whenever there's a major breach or a major set of credentials or any sort of uh, major information like that that hits the dark web, that gets identified. He aggregates these onto this site so that you can get an idea of what accounts and what information has made its way out there. So you kind of have some targets as to maybe what needs to be checked. LinkedIn popped up on there back in like 2012. Right away, a good thing to do when you see something like LinkedIn pop up and you see your name as part of that breach, change your LinkedIn password. Same point in time, look at what username you used or what email you used to sign up and look at the password you used. And if you use that anywhere else, go and change that right away too in all those places that you've used it because it'll avoid things like credential stuffing from coming back to harm you. Making sure that when you set up your passwords and you go through and rotate them, that you don't do so in an incremental fashion. A lot of people do this because, again, it's easy to remember. It seems like a good idea with... AI and other automation coming to the mix, it's just, it's not good anymore. People are setting up cracks for these, especially if they can go through and see your name pop up in a couple of breaches and you see similar passwords with a format to them or an incremental a number in the password. It becomes really trivial then to go through and start brute forcing your passwords again. So making sure they stay rotated frequently, making sure they're not incremental and making sure that they're unique amongst sites will go a long way to keeping your accounts secure. And again, password managers. Password managers are a great way. It's like, it's kind of like your address book on your phone or like your phone number uh, directory contacts list on your phone for your passwords. It's a spot where you can keep all your passwords listed. It can generate secure long passwords for you that you can copy paste into these different apps to get ease of access. But more importantly, it gives you that spot, that repository where you can hold
hold all that information so you don't have either like a physical notebook or post-it notes or something worse or even worse still again common passwords so it goes a long way to helping with kind of get that process in place and being able to work effectively within those confines You're listening to the Fearless Paranoia Podcast. We're here to help make the complex language of cybersecurity understandable. So if there are topics or issues that you'd like Ryan and I to break down in an episode, send us an email at info at fearlessparanoia.com or reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn. For more information about today's episode, be sure to check out fearlessparanoia.com where you'll find a full transcript as well as links to helpful resources and any research and reports discussed during the episode. While you're there, check out our other posts and podcasts as well as additional helpful resources for learning about cybersecurity. Now back to the show. So then businesses. Businesses can go and employ some other techniques also, right? You can use things like risk profiling, where you can look for accounts being logged into from unknown locations, really goes a long way to helping protect identity and protect those passwords. They have password policies that you can put in place, restrict certain commonly used password lists, make a certain level of complexity, make a certain amount of time that it has to be changed within or rotated within, and things like that to help kind of force users down the path of implementing good password practices. Things like single sign-on, SSO, is really critical because what it does is it reduces the amount of passwords you need, right? So, you know, again, uh, you might say that this puts you into that spot similar to like common password where it's one password to rule them all. But in most cases, when you implement something like SSO, it's really critical then that you put all the rest of those other major password protections around it. Risk profiling, conditional access to watch the workstation or the location that's using the password, strong multi-factor, especially, you know, using something like phishing resistant multi-factor. And, you know, again, that's going to be something like an app-based authenticator without push notification or a certificate-based authentication or or a hardware token, something that's not fishable, like a generic password would be, or like a push authentication coming through to an authentication app that can easily just have like an accept clicked and allow that to pass through. So being able to implement those kind of policies, again, will go a long way to helping secure the password and the authentication chain. And then we can start moving eventually towards systems like Passwordless, which is at the moment one of the best spots you can really end up. Now you don't have to have users worrying about remembering passwords. Passwordless systems aren't available everywhere, but they are becoming more common. There's a lot more service providers out there that are starting to look at providing these. And what this does is instead of you having a username and a password to start the process of multi-factor, you start with the username and then it has a means of asking you for some sort of other authentication right there. A lot of apps are starting to use biometrics nowadays. So like you can log into your banking app or a tax app or social media apps and right away you key in your username and the first thing it wants from you is either a face ID or a thumbprint as your means of authentication. So you're not even necessarily entering in passwords any longer. And so biometrics work as a great means to back up passwordless. If you have common computers like issued from a business, you can put certificates in place to mean that, you know, authentication has to occur from that known machine. You know, you can use uh, app-based Again, authentication, common authenticator. Instead of asking for a password right away, you know, you punch in your username and then it's either looking for a six digit code or it's looking for some sort of authentication check, like a push level check that goes to that app. And then one of my favorites is the hardware tokens and the keys, things like a YubiKey or the FIDO2 keys and things that are out there nowadays where they're protected by a pin and then they have a unique rotational code. It's protected by touch as well. So you actually have to physically have the key 
in your possession in order to access the service. And that goes a long way to preventing phishing of a password or of a means to validate that second layer. That's something that you know. So again, passwords are important. They're going to be around for quite a while, unfortunately still, but I think that it's important that we understand that passwords are weak nowadays. They're inherently weak. And as a means of authentication, they're getting weaker by the day. Threat actors are getting more clever at how to breach passwords, how to obtain passwords, at sharing the passwords that they do breach. And so we really have to go through some extra lengths at this point to take on this next major modernization, this next major step of maturity in how we protect our accounts and our assets, lest we let them fall into the hands of the bad actors and everything that's behind them. So it's really important that we start working towards things like eventually passwordless, but until we can get there, stepping up and just having good password hygiene, making sure we employ things like multi-factor authentication, we start using password managers, we start watching those lists using sites like Have I Been Pwned, and just really kind of, again, taking account for the things that are important to us on the internet and stepping up our posture on making sure that we protect these things from the people that would threaten those otherwise. So that's all the time I'm going to take today to kind of go about passwords. That was already 20 minutes of me preaching to you about these, but this is a really, really important issue. And so hopefully you'll take it to heart and, you know, look for ways to kind of not just go through and audit and identify your own kind of digital life, but look for ways to identify just what's important and and take those next steps in protecting it. So again, this has been Ryan with another episode here of Fearless Paranoia. We hope that there's some useful information for you here today. Always feel free to reach out to us should you have any questions or maybe some ideas about some other topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. Our podcast is successful because of the listeners like you and the word of mouth that you guys offer us helping us share the message and knowledge of the podcast itself. So please take out to your social media if this has been useful to you. Tell others about Fearless Paranoia and about what we're here to offer. You can find more information about us by going to fearlessparanoia.com where you can see a list of all of our episodes. You can go check out our social media on LinkedIn and other sites. We are hosted on all the major podcast sites that are out there, so please go and check us out on your favorite. We do have a lot more information as well on our sister blog site, resiliencecybersecurity.com. It's a great resource for you to go check out as well. So again, on behalf of Brian, who wasn't with us tonight, I am Ryan, and we thank you again for tuning in for another episode of Fearless Paranoia, and we look forward to checking in with you next time. Bye.